previously with the Quellists. There's something special about all of you. Uh, if any of you don't know, there are eight Warmasters. The way that they were forged, the Warmasters and their siblings, they come in twos and sometimes threes. And wherever one of the group travels, the others are likely to follow very soon. It's Gauntlet, Helm, Curious, Pauldron, Grief, Food, Vampires, and Sabaton. Speaking of which, have you ever served a Warforged in the city? It was their choice, man, their choice. They came and worked, I paid them. You know, and then the other guys are like, it's unethical, they're robots, man. <laughs> None of these laborers had um, piercing eyes that went through your eyes and through the back of your head into the ground behind you, didn't they? I'm Rot Rotten Egum. You see, inside of one of the um, open heads, he's got some piece, like uh, some tiny little piece of metal that maybe doesn't ordinarily belong in a Warforged head. Oh, Rael Redstone? I I do know of his work. I wasn't aware he was involved with the Warforged. I feel as though it is my duty to see them set free. Don't be afraid. This is totally normal. We're pushed up right against the, the forest here. Lots and lots of wacky, wonky magic. Most towns can afford a ward mage. We, uh, we've never really had that ability. We've never possessed the money, as it were. And after a time, sort of became a uh, tourist attraction. That's how we make our money now. So, Asa, before we get started, um, I wanted to mention that I've decided I would like for Jackal to use Find Creature on Grieve once a day and update us on that. Now, to be clear, are you talking Grieve or do you mean Pauldron? Grieve, the the one that he's able to use it on because he has met him. Oh, he's met him. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so we can keep tabs on where he is. Perfect. Currently, he's, um, at this point in time, he would be... In the city of High Oron, um, in near in and around the financial districts. All right, so um, we we'd settled in for the night, right? That is correct. If that's all you guys had for that night, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that nothing uh, nothing of interest happens overnight, except for Tyrek. You would notice sometime in the early hours of the morning, everything gets bright in a way that doesn't actually get bright. Um, and there's a subsonic rumble, which I believe you can hear. Um, it would have been, if you had, if you did still sleep, it would definitely wake you up. <laughs> um, and then when it's over, uh, like half a second later, you start looking around cause nothing in the room has changed, but you go out and you look around and the whole entire town of Scraldenmanden is no longer crystalline, but it is in fact made of unmoving chickens. What the fuck? Well, that's different. Are we inside the chicken right now? <laughs> you look up and you see, you see the little um. I don't even know what they're called. Those those weird little skin flaps that hang off a chicken's faces. Uh, you are you are in the chest of a what looks to be a barred rock rooster. Oh, so they're like gigantic chickens. Yes, all, all the buildings have transformed into scale chickens. It's not just walls cobbled with chicken blocks. Like, I was picturing like each building was several thousand chickens, but each building <laughs> oh, no. is now a single <laughs> No, giant. it is a city of gigantic chickens. We're on the outside of the chicken? No, no, you are on the inside. The the whole the, the, the chickens are not like they're not live. 
they're more or less they they look very convincing and and Tyrek looking at these gigantic chicken buildings you're pretty sure that if you were to go out and touch the feathers that they would be real feathers and that maybe if you were to slice into one of the buildings you might be able to draw some kind of chicken blood you're not entirely sure because your room is totally and the, the chickens aren't moving right if they're statuesque but they look convincingly real. And of course, on the inside, it's all still normal hardwood floors, beds, all of that looking normal in. That is very correct. I suppose if we ever really wanted to find the nuggets, this would be the easiest way. I'm just gonna not make a, a few notes about it and send a message to Jackal that just says, by the way, we're trapped inside a chicken. Don't worry. And then uh, continue about my morning routine. Let everyone else get to discover the giant chickens for themselves when they wake up. All right. Morning comes. The rest of you guys wake up. You discover that the entire town is chickens. What are your reactions to this? I think Gorguts, being a chef, is just going to try to tear off a chunk and eat it to try to test if it doesn't de-taste like chicken. Um. All right. So you go what what exactly hmm what are you trying to which built where on the chick show me on the chicken doll where you're trying to <laughs> so you're gonna like try to rip off a whole leg because that might actually be a feat he could probably like realistically get a toe be real sinewy and and bony i think gore guts would go for the meat because he's like scale the outside of the building up into the like the breast area sure yeah let's go with that oh man Okay, make a athletics check for me. Oh, this should be fun. Okay, here's what happens. You start... <laughs> Gorguts wakes up, sees that everything is chickens, and without missing a beat, goes straight outside and starts cl climbing the chicken. You get to the underside. Uh, you start to scale, and you grab onto like the first tuft of feathers and it, they immediately pull out and you essentially pluck these feathers from the chicken um and you fall to the ground uh holding these gigantic feathers i guess they're the it's the bottom side so they're not that big uh, but you can see that it, it looks it looks pretty real make a um i guess make a nature check now this is you're looking at this and you're, you're sure this is a fake chicken <laughs> probably doesn't taste good anyways i'm gonna go ogre pout somewhere and find someone else to recruit i guess there's a a deafening sound um i want everyone to make um constitution saving throws for me 20 wow oh no <laughs> i was still sleeping oh my our poor little hobbit let's see mira luke no i'm sorry mira gut mira guts really did i just say that <laughs> mira guts <laughs> John? I, I, I can't ship that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Mira, Gorguts, and Tyrek. Um, you guys, are, you guys are fine. You're able to like, you know, Tyrek's still got soap in his ears. Um, his little ear wax over his ear holes from the false hydra or something. Um, no, you guys are fine. You, you're able to cover your ears. It's fine. Um, and you recognize immediately that the building that you're in, the the inn, as it were is crowing is every building doing this at the same time yeah just the just the rooster buildings which are coincidentally you could place where all the the hotels are the inns oh how convenient <laughs> 
Smokey, you were still sleeping when this happens. So this thing catches you full blast. Um, your your room is right in where like the larynx is. So it's the loudest portion of the building. Um, you are going to have disadvantage on perception checks involving hearing for the next 24 hours. Cool. Um, Luke, it scares the crap out of you, but I, I, you didn't roll a nat one, so you're... you're it scared you, but or or something. It was loud, but you're good. Shut up, fake chicken. You guys, uh, you go downstairs to the the lobby, the lobby, the breakfast, the continental breakfast. Uh, there's giant eggs. Go figure. They're making huge omelets. So if we eat these, they're not going to turn into something else in our stomachs later, right? Does Mira actually ask that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, you asked that, Mira asked that, and um, someone answers in, a, in kind of a laughing tone, like, oh, huh, no, actually, we've we've come to realize that as long as you consume the thing, um, you're, it'll be fine. It's uh, just holding pieces of it is where it can uh, get a little hairy. And you turn around, and there's a halfling woman um, who... I'm trying to think if any of you might know her. Uh, Smokey, you probably recognize her, at least in some capacity. This is Galendra Wishwater. All you halflings know each other, right? <laughs> yeah, this is Gal- uh, she introduces herself as Galendra Wishwater. Uh, she says, I'm the Jarl of Skraldemand, and I heard that we had the honor of hosting the Quellists last night. I'm very sorry I wasn't able to come say hello to you in person. That's okay. Your uh, hotel did the job for you. Smokey just looks like super just frazzled. It's a little bit of blood running out of his ear. Are you just yelling the entire time because you're deaf? That's a good point. I would actually roleplay that if somebody wasn't sleeping in this house. Uh, yeah. I am apologize for that. Let me help you get cleaned up a little bit. And she gets like a wet rag and starts mopping the blood off your ears. And, may, may I ask? And she sort of faces all of you. She's like, what, um, what business do you all have this far... Northeast. Well, we have several purposes for our trip out. One being that we really need to get to know the rest of Elsira uh, to establish good connections with everyone and to, to help people know our faces. And to negotiate and to see about setting up uh, outposts, if you would, hulls for uh, our guilds. But we're also on a bit of other business that's somewhat sensitive in nature by which i mean we're gonna go free ebonharth and edgemire again but don't tell anybody she whispers back you have plans to free edgemire and ebonharth well yes but like i said don't tell anybody because it's totally a secret and we're gonna blindside them when we get there take it back that's a good plan thank you i appreciate that have you met milo pipe carver He's a very good man, and is currently campaigning for leading Cloudhenge. And while I realize you have no part of deciding who leads Cloudhenge, he is likely to be in that position. Has my personal unofficial support, because as the leader of the Iron Vigil, of course, I can't officially support him. But you should speak with him and see about setting up more of an exchange between your two cities. I think it would be beneficial to both of you. That sounds excellent, actually. I've been uh, I've been chatting with the Pathfinders Guild here, talking about trying to set up uh, a sort of a highway through the forest. I don't know how viable that would be, but I imagine that with the help of a 
with the help of the Quellus, maybe that could be a possibility. Yeah, I, I believe that would be beneficial for everyone. Although, he seems to be having trouble hearing right now. The rooster seems to have messed with his ears a bit. Okay, so the Jarl and the Thane, Pasqual Indigo, who you met yesterday. Pasqual is the leader, the head of the Pathfinder Rangers Guild. So they, they take Smokey and wander off around the city and just kind of like start talking about some stuff. And um, what would you guys like to do here? And if not here, then maybe we can, you know, we'll just say enough time has passed that Smokey comes back and you guys leave. I think Mira is going to inquire as to what would happen if she took one of those detached feathers with her. Um, so uh, one of the, uh, just another Pathfinder um, guild member is around who you ask. And, and he kind of laughs and he's like, well, either it'll turn into a roof shingle or a part of a board on the side of a house. Or it really just depends on. What what the town turns into next, because we never really know when we're going to get a regular old town. So a few weeks ago, it was mushrooms, and a while before that, it was uh, something that the DM can't remember off the top of his head, but <laughs> you, you name it, we've probably been it. Is the, uh, the process dangerous in any way? Uh, the only time it's dangerous is to people who've never seen it before, and they freak out when it happens and end up hurting themselves. But otherwise, no, it's just uh, distressing is all. If you're, like, in an area that suddenly turns to to stone, solid stone or something, it'll just push you out. People don't people don't get trapped. So I, don't, I don't know what it is about the magic, but it doesn't ever hurt, hurt anyone. Sometimes we'll be one... Sometimes the city will remain one thing for weeks, months at a time. Sometimes it changes four or five times in a day just uh it all depends haven't found a rhyme or reason to it it just happens here you go mira gorgots just hands her the the feathers that he just like snatched out of this chicken building <laughs> this fake chicken <laughs> building thank you you're welcome i'm just gonna go ahead and stuff those in her pack and uh plan to bring them back to the guild hall as a novelty item um, as you guys are kind of walking around the area, you, you come across a, a house, or I guess a chicken, um, that is sort of fenced off in a way that other houses aren't. Uh, there's a little placard out front. Is it fenced off by a bunch of little chickens? <laughs> it's, a bunch, it's a bunch of feathers. <laughs> Stuck into the ground like quills. Picket feathers. <laughs> Does this placard have writing on it? Yeah, it's chicken. Scratch. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> You've been sitting on that joke entirely too long. <laughs> you guys are gonna have to kill me. <sighs> I made this whole session just to make that joke. <laughs> and we're done. Have a good one. Oh man. Okay. Um. No. The placard has yes, it has writing on it. You examine it, and it says, um, "Dedicated to the memory of Mr. Webby." Uh. And the chicken surprisingly has uh, eight legs underneath it, or, or rather, four legs and four wings. What the hell? <laughs> Big chickens. Now this. Let's get out of here. Um. Yeah. Somebody. It, it, the the placard kind of goes on to say. Um, that it's de dedicated to the memory of Mr. Webby, uh, a personal savior of the city at some point. Um, 
And if you ask around, there's some people who will tell you that uh, this this land was actually purchased by an unknown entity who then uh, signed over the the deed into Mr. Webby's name um, as a gift, but Mr. Webby had passed before that could be given to him. So the city just sort of uh, memorialized it. What is this building? Like, is it a monument, just mausoleum thing, or...? Uh, it's a, it is an actual house. Yeah, it's a, it's a plot of land um, in inside of an area that is was told to you to be uh, like another housing tract. It's a chicken, duh. <laughs> this is a big chicken. If a fake chicken grows this many weens and legs, I guess he can have a home or something. I don't know. This place is weird. Let's go. I think you might be interested in a chicken with four wings and four legs, Gorguts. You could use it for food. Yeah, if it was real and didn't taste like crap. Um, another interesting thing that catches your guys' eye, and I think probably for all of you. Okay, it doesn't look like I gave you guys a map of Squaldon Mandan. I don't have a cool one. Um, so you have the entrance right there going to Crafter Garden, and then there's Prosley Square and Hillen Market, which uh, butts up against and a little bit into the forest itself. Um, and so in, uh, let's see, Webby's house you guys found was inside of a, a kind of a, a better area in Crafter Garden. Uh, but as you move through the city into, like, say, Prosley Square... Prosley needs to go back to geometry. The district named for the the actual square courtyard um, in it, and not for the shape of the district itself. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's an area uh, of, of, like, hovels that look... That, that are actually um, hovels, right? They're not chickens. When you kind of walk over that way, you notice that there's a bunch of um, bears walking around. Some of them on four limbs, some of them on two. Uh, but it very quickly becomes apparent that these are the bearkin, um, who have definitely existed since the beginning of the campaign and not something that have just been introduced into my campaign world in the last few months. Yeah, the, it's the it's the bearkin. I think you guys have all, uh, Smokey especially, Luke definitely, um, and very likely Gorguts, Mira, I can't imagine Tyrek hasn't run into him. You would recognize the the bearkin as a, a they're they're very kind of secluded race. Um, there's let me see if I can remember this. You know of uh, okay, so I think there's eight tribes of bearkin, um, and one of the tribes here uh, is generally secluded to uh, in the the forests above uh, Ebenharth, um, and the group that you're seeing here do not look like part of the tribe that lives in that area. Okay, so there's a tribe that's from a place that isn't where we are, but these don't look like them. So are they just from where we are? The closest tribe that we know about would be in the forest there above oh, okay, Ebon gotcha. Hearth. These guys don't look like they're part of that tribe. Yeah, and, and if you want to try to identify where they're from, I think everybody could probably roll a... I'm going to say history check, history and or nature. Um, I'll allow whichever one you have better scores in. Yay, I have zero. Same either way. Let's see. Ah, that's hey. all right. What? How does the ranger have a, a zero in what nature? What? What did he say? <laughs> bearkin. I remember when they first found the bearkin. <laughs> what, like a month ago? <laughs> I don't remember yesterday. Curry loss. Smokey is just golem. That's the new canon. 
Okay, so I think Luke and Tyrek kind of give each other a look like, oh. And then Gorguts and Mira are like, yeah, okay, I think I get in. Smokey's like, these guys are from the north somewhere. Um, specific- <laughs> Specifically, uh, there's a city uh, in the north continent of Iadenton uh, up above the city of Hiregard. This, the mountains up there, there's a uh, Bearkin community that lives up in that area. And these guys, Smokey immediately places them from being from there. It's in the north? I'm trying to find it on the map. Yes, yeah, so I'll ping it. Uh, it's, it's like, you remember where the it's one tile left from the top right-hand corner. Oh. Ah. So are they? They are polar bears. Oh, they must hate it over here. Very tropical. Yeah, they're all, they're actually, they're audibly grumbling, many of them. Have they tried shaving? Oh my god. <laughs> they're polar bears, not poodles. <laughs> <laughs> you said they're just hanging out in the market? They, they have their own little, like, set of hovels that aren't, their hovels are not chickens. They are actually hovels. Is it colder nearby, the mountains nearby our city? Maybe they like it better over there. We could have a march of the polar bears. Oh, <laughs> sorry. They like, you said they're little huts or whatever. Are they like running shops or something? Oh uh, no, they look like they've they've got like a temporary living space over here, and that the people, the bears that are out and about right now, are are kind of just um like getting getting started on whatever they're gonna do for the day. They're just trying to make a living here. I'm trying to see like is there is their living situation kind of like bad or sad or anything like that um okay so speaking with one of the representatives of this group um and you you guys are kind of asking this question like are you moving somewhere um like did something bad happen to you uh they're grumbling a lot right uh sure but uh this one he introduces himself as adirondack yeah let's go with that he introduces himself as adirondack and he's like no, uh, we're not. We're not moving. We're just a small group of us came to follow and to support one of our fellows. A little fellow named Yukon moved on down to Refuge a while back. Got a job there, looking for. A, well, we lost something, and he's looking for it. So we just came to give him some support. That's noble of you. It's uh, been a sacrifice. We prefer the colder climate. It's real uncomfortable here. Yeah. It's not your favorite. Um, you know, not too far. Maybe, oh, day's journey south. There's the city of Refuge, and they're on the, a lake. And you'd at least be able to get in the water and swim all the time, which would help you cool down. Obviously, I don't live here. I'm not telling you to leave. It's just a suggestion. Might make things more comfortable for you. Oh, oh, definitely. We... What's that? That's actually where old Yukon is. He's in refuge, so we're uh, we're huh. trying to maybe make our way down that way. We're trying to keep our distance because this is kind of his thing. But we're we got the river here, Ripswell River, and we like to bathe in that when we can. Go out to the delta sometimes. Uh, um, Yarl Wishwater's been really good to us, just letting us kind of hole up here. And for whatever reason, their weird magic doesn't affect our huts, so we just, you know. And then he, he turns, and he's like, hey, hey, stop that! And there's like a, a group of polar bears that are attacking, <laughs> attacking a building chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that's not what we do here. And he he's like, excuse me, and he like run, he shambles off in the way that bears do when they're gearing up for a fight, and they go over and there's just like, like start fighting with each other a little bit. So um, if a spell specifically says <clears throat> target creature, how do you feel about an alternative use of the frostbite spell to just blast the ground around their huts a bit? Oh, I like that a lot. It's a cantrip, so it's not really any sort of a cost, just cool things down. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm good with that. Absolutely. Definitely going to do that then. You start to kind of turn it to ice or, or just frosty even. And there's a whole bunch. There, there's like this huge ex- exclamation of, as a bunch of the other bears like wander <laughs> over and, and do the thing where they like exactly what the polar bear is doing in Danny's gift there, <laughs> dragging their faces on the ground, just totally enjoying it. And uh, they haven't been hostile or even giving you the impression that they're like, they they seem a little closed off, but not like openly mean, right? Uh, but this definitely loosens that mood and you guys can tell that you've, you've definitely earned, curried some favor with them. So did you happen to say what you're gonna be helping your buddy Yukon about? Uh, so there's a there's another one who calls uh, herself uh, Sierra because the naming convention only goes for so long. Um, and she's, she says, hang on, let's see if I can do this. <clears throat> yes, uh, Yukon has been on a very... This is terrible. <laughs> Let me redo that. This is the least trustworthy Yukon. voice I've heard in a long time. <laughs> He's going to kill us. <laughs> Yukon is a... He's a very stubborn-headed bear who left the village without too much backup, and he didn't have a plan. He just kind of went, and he went without asking if the rest of us would help. The truth is, he's looking for a very rare cultural artifact, and uh, it's uh, it's very important to us. We were charged with keeping it, and one of them has gone missing. What does this artifact do? We don't know what it does. We've never seen it used. We've just been charged with keeping it, and it went missing about six months ago. Is it just the one artifact, or are there multiple artifacts that are paired with it? There are eight in total. Interesting. So you're charged with keeping it, but you didn't... You don't know what it looks like or anything like that? No, I. so I'm sorry. I, I did that wrong. They know what it looks like. They just don't know what it what it does. Okay, what, what does it happen to look like? You ask that question, and they visibly shut down. Uh, they, she's like, nope, can't, nope. And she just, like, walks away. Nope. <laughs> and I want you to roll insight on that for me. Okay, well, with a 12, I think it's pretty cut and dry that when you ask about that, you're asking the way that she reacted and walked away when you asked that uh, was very much like you have asked her a really personal, intimate question. Um, you know, as a total stranger, you've just asked her this out of the blue. And maybe it didn't seem that way to you, uh, but that is definitely how she reacted. I'm trying to think, come up with something to kind of rebound from that. The the other bears, um, there's a couple other bears who like come over and sort of chat with you a little bit. And they're like, you know, one of them, he looks at you and you can tell he's looking at you with like a, an air of understanding. And he's like, we're not used to speaking with outsiders. This isn't a realm uh, that we're used to having to discuss with other people. This is a very deeply important thing that we were charged with keeping. It's gone now. It's hard enough to talk about the fact that we lost it. Can't talk about what it is. Does your civilization have taboo? 
yeah my my apologies i'm just a naturally curious person if anything i was more interested in in helping than trying to divulge any information from you guys yeah given <laughs> dang given that role and the fact that uh this this guy definitely is acting like you know like he gets it he's he's coming from a place of understanding um that that they're kind of the outsiders here so they're at a little bit of a disadvantage um he he just kind of nods and he's like i don't mean to be rude human uh i would share if maybe if we knew you a little better or we had some kind of business arrangement but unfortunately our business here is not even ours it is it's this is yukon's mission if you really want to try to get in on this you would need to speak with him understood I, i'm really hoping the artifact's just like a coca-cola can or something like that hey those bears are classy they don't bother with the cans it's glass bottles or nothing well it has been interesting meeting you. It's been interesting meeting many of you. Guys, I think this town is messing with our brains. We need to leave. Finally! Smokey offers to extend some help from Cloudhenge if the bearkin would appreciate that. Uh, okay, so are you guys leaving this, leaving the town? Yep. All right, heading, heading north. So you guys start heading north. Please roll perception i don't have any fitting perception my eyes are open that's unusual i actually rolled above my passive perception that's really unusual uh luke mira and tyrek you guys i don't know this is such a perception i guess was kind of a weird roll for this but we'll just roll with it <laughs> there's a slow but steady stream of people kind of traveling south um uh, most of them look Dang, with that insight check, Mira, you can tell that most of these people, uh, they're not like fighting people. These are people who are kind of being displaced from by one thing or another. Um, not all of them look like they're doing badly, but there's definitely some people who look like they've just come away from, uh, you know, war-torn areas. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you were to stop and ask them, yes, they are coming from Edgemire. Oh, from Edgemire. I'll reassure people as we can that we are going to help both with edgemire itself and with their current situation if they go east seeking refuge they won't be turned away yeah there's there's i think there's a lot of people who they brighten up when you mention this um it, with the like the the hope there's hope that there's something that can be found but then they also like there's a shadow that kind of passes over their heads as they realize they're on the wrong side of the forest um, but it's, you know, I, I think especially Tyrek knows a little bit of hope goes a long way. And uh, there's a, a new spring in these people's steps as they kind of walk away from that. Minor, minor side question, but it could be relevant. And it's something we would probably know. But who currently occupies Fort Janin? Uh, Fort Janin is actually a, an area that remains like kind of on a skeleton crew-ish, generally speaking, when it, like in normal time. Um, currently, it is owned by uh, the Masters Point Unified Army. Okay. But yeah, it is Raylene's property. Or it's where she was staging before they attacked Edgemire. Exactly. Got it. Where, where all of her forces sort of regrouped. After um, after the siege of Cloudhenge was pushed out. Uh, sorry, just real quick. Mira, there are a few people that you run into who um, look pretty torn and battle-weary, but they aren't from Edgemire. Um, they are the people who talk a little bit about um, bandits on the road. Then I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll inquire as to like if, if there's, there's a specific, specific location that they've seen them. They were attacked 
um, in this like hilly area in that sort of sits in between Edgemire and Ebenharth. That was kind of where they had got there. They were part of a much larger um, wagon train heading south, uh, met, uh, met for ballast, coming with some goods from Edgemire, uh, and they were attacked by a, a group of raiders. Um, and the, these three people that you're talking to are the only um, the only survivors of that. Uh, they have they have nothing to trade anymore. Um, and one of them, uh, please roll roll insight again uh, on this one specific person. Um, so this person's like pretty babbling incoherently, right? Um, kind of unstable, and they they babble something about the eyeless man, um, and that's about the only coherent thing you can get out of them, or rather that you understand from them. Okay. In that case, once they move on, I, I don't really want to discuss it in front of them, but once they move on, I would like to bring up to the rest of the party, didn't didn't we hear something about one of the Warforged not so much having burning eyes as missing pits of eyes? Some dark, dark void eyes or something along those lines Tyrek you remember everything Tyrek does I do not <laughs> <laughs> what have we been told about their eyes and um you've you've definitely heard some stories about a warforged uh who had if I'm remembering the way I phrased it correctly the wording was he had eyes that made you feel like you were going to fall into them black as night if we still intend to continue north to Ebenharth before we go towards Edgemire, it might be worth sending a note to Jackal and seeing if any agents are in that area. Yeah. On that note, do we do we still plan to head into Ebenharth first? I think we really should be making towards Edgemire. I'm going to stop us for a minute. It's kind of, yeah, hi, wave at people as they go past. I'm going to set up our psychic link again. There. Can you hear me now? <laughs> oh yeah that works that works immediately Smokey's hearing comes right back Luke casts lesser restoration on Smokey to get his hearing back the last location that we know the one of the war masters was was in Edgemire since he was personally leading the troops that killed Raylene that's most recent and is currently our our best location for him He's either there, basically he's there or between there and Ebenhurst. I do think that moving to Edgemire right now is probably our best, our best move. Should we just follow the stream of refugees? Then the only real other question is, do we want to try to stop personally to deal with the bandits in the hills? Or have troops dispatched to deal with the bandits in the hills? I say dispatch troops. We should probably move as fast as we can. If they try to rob us for some ridiculous reason then problem solved but otherwise let's keep going otherwise rations for the road as much as i don't like leaving known hostiles known people who are known to be preying on others there in this situation i agree actually tyrek that might work to our advantage and give you an excuse to move some of your guys up here both that and for the relief effort, be contacting back to Cloudhenge and the organizations later to request uh, aid from everyone back there to set up for a relief camp on the road. 
in any way so that they can assist the refugees uh, so that they don't have to try to make it all the way to Cloudhenge before they have help. I know we already have a number of resources predisposed in the Warforged relocation effort that should still be worthwhile. So you guys are dispatching a contingent of people to like deal with the bandits, he said? Are the those people from the from that trade caravan still there or have they moved on? Uh, I think if if you want to talk to them, we can absolutely have them still be here. Yeah, I, having heard some of this of them, I would ask them a bit more, try to find out if, mostly if at the time that they got away, if the others were dead or were being taken captive, if they if they saw. So two of them didn't see anything. They describe here. I'll I'll actually do this in character. Uh, I. I barely saw anything. They they hit so fast and so hard. One of the wagons was e- exploding behind me, and I, I was thrown off my horse. Next thing I, I knew, I looked over, and all six of the wagons were burning, and the horses were slaughtered, and people were screaming, and I just I got up and ran. Uh, the other person standing there, um, they, they kind of go real quiet when you ask them, like, what do they see? Um, and a little... His eyes go a little bit misty, and he's like, I just started running as soon as the wagons were burning. And then the third guy is the one who's babbling incoherently. I don't know about you, but burning wagons full of trade goods doesn't sound like bandits to me. That's that's intended to cause fear and panic and disruption. That's not, that's not normal banditry. Do you think they could be working for the Shrike? It would not surprise me if it's... Well, it is certainly a potential. Uh, It's likely... Yeah, I'd say more directly likely is that it's part of the Ebonhearth military. One of the War Masters. Not necessarily him himself, but his troops. um, Who, they don't necessarily work for the Shrike, but are certainly uh, overall servants of Korg, whether they all know it or not, because the War Masters are. That sounds a lot more worth our time to deal with directly. I think we need to try to find them. We have an idea where to start. We're closer now than we were. Obviously, we've been walking along this way, but we have a better location for where they are than we did. I am real tempted to make a detour to Meatball Tree, but I'll try to stay focused. I think that's probably... Not a uh, landmark that Gorguts would know about just yet. However, if Gorguts ever um, has a thought like, oh man, I could go for a meatball sandwich, then a meatball sandwich will appear in his hand. Uh, Alright, so you guys continue on. With um, with all the refugees on the road, even though you guys aren't hauling any wagons with you, um, it's a little bit harder to ride as quickly as you were. So you can make it to right about there, moving at the pace that you're moving before uh, it's it's at the point where it's like okay do we make camp or do we try to ride a little bit later so i'll leave that up to you well do you guys want to sleep or are you all okay to keep going because you know i don't really need to stop i think we should keep at it we haven't done any fighting we're not really worn out or anything it's not like a hard march right we're not getting like exhaustion or whatever um, I, if you were to go all the way through the night, I would probably give you a level of exhaustion just for having been awake. But no, I mean, moving at the pace you're moving, you could go fairly comfortably for a while. 
I think reaching bandit territory in the dead of night might be might be to our advantage, actually. Especially if they can't see in the dark. There's kind of two ways that we can do this part here at the end. We can get in there and we can hunt for them and try to find them. Or we can pick where we want to engage them. And I'm pretty sure I can call them pretty solidly to us. Well, our ambush is better than their ambush, right? If we can get maybe get up there, find a spot that we can set up well and set set things up there. Yeah, I think um, it's pretty easy to say. Once it starts getting darker, most of the refugees, um, they set up camp themselves. Um, so your roads clear up a little bit more and it's a lot easier for you to move faster. So you could start a, like uh, Danny was saying, a hard march. Now, this does freak out some of the people who camped closer to the roads. Um, as you start riding faster and faster, you notice that as you are traveling north, you're seeing campfires get snuffed out um, as people like take, um, take fear of the sound of hoofbeats in the distance moving quickly. So it definitely like there's definitely like a feeling of fear, right? That's coming traveling north with you, but the roads stay clear, and I think that you're able to make it pretty much all the way to these this hilly area where where you've been hearing complaints of bandits coming from. So how should we go about this? Are we gonna scout? We're gonna just go stroll straight through the front doors or what? So for the moment, let's maybe stop. Like, as we get into the hills, find a good location to s- just to stop. And we can hide within a uh, layman's tiny hut. <laughs> Between that and Rare's telepathic bond, we can be very effectively hidden from view. And we can talk without anybody outside of our group hearing us and figure out... Uh, well, we can then send our stealthy scout, our ranger and such, out to maybe scout out a good ambush location and uh, get things like that set up so that we can figure out where we want to do this. So you're looking to start scouting some spots for a good ambush? Yeah. So. Okay. Make, let's see, this be a series of checks. I want to see, as I want perception, investigation, survival, and nature checks. We found all the wild game in the area. <laughs> there is lots of food here. There's one really giant chicken. <laughs> this better be real. I, there's oh, there's so many good checks on it. Let's just, should we just say that you guys had split up sort of to do this? To like scout different areas? That works. So I, I really like this. If, if you guys had split up to do this, then this presents kind of an interesting, uh, interesting idea. So I think Luke found uh, a couple different locations that may work. But they're not going to have all the elements that you might need. Like, so, Tyrek, I'm asking you specifically, uh, when you're looking to set up an ambush, what kind of things are you looking to do? So, in this situation, I want, I would want a spot with a restricted passage that we can get uh, Smokey and Mira. Mira is ranged or made it? Uh, Yes. Which does she prefer? In this case, I don't know. Whatever we need more, really. Probably melee. A location where we can get Smokey to a, a good overlook point. Actually, what would be best would be a spot with a cliff. 
that we can put Smokey up above behind us. Tyrek's going to be fairly central to everything because he's going to be basically at the bait point. Uh, I'm going to expect that they will likely know that it is an ambush and that they're going to be coming in and we're going to try to use it as an ambush around them anyway. Almost like a box canyon, but not really. More of like, like with that, but without where we would be completely trapped in. Basically, essentially setting ourselves up like we are ourselves in a trap with a spot where they're going to know that we're setting up an ambush and they're going to come at us and we're still going to try to ambush them in it anyway. Tyrek would essentially be in as bait um, and they're going to be coming in and hitting at us with what we can set somebody up behind other people in hidden locations more around the sides to be able to pull in and fold around them and just kind of pull them into that central spot with it to hit them. So a bit of cover, but mostly a spot with a, a good overlook for our other ranged people to be able to, to put stuff in from uh, and that we can then obstruct behind them. Uh, if there's things, if, it's a, if we can find a spot with things that we can impede their ability to leave once we start the conflict, then something that, like, poor guts being uh, ogre, can huck in behind them to, to mess with their ability to get away from us, that would be fantastic. You know, if that's not too much to ask. <laughs> so let me, let me let me see if I, get, I put these into bullet points as best I could. Uh, so you're looking for something with restrictive passage uh, into and out of. Um, something... Uh, where you have overwatch or high ground something with limited or specific visibility so that they can see you but not everything that you're doing um, something with cover but not so much that your overwatch can't get in shots and something that with the restrictive pa in, in uh, accordance with the restrictive passage that you can uh, potentially actually make their exfiltration difficult yes okay I like that and I think with all these rolls that you guys have got, you've all rolled pretty high in just about everything. Um, Luke is able to find a couple different spots. So here's here's how I'll, I'll put this down. So instead of all of you splitting up and going um, and doing all these things, Luke, you're looking for these things like with these kind of elements that maybe as Tyrek just explained, right? Um, so you go out and you find a couple spots that you're like, wow, that looks like, you know, you score really good. But... Unfortunately, with your investigation and the nature check, with the, okay, so with your survival check of twenty-five and your perception of twenty-four, you're able to find multiple spots, and you're not you don't get lost, so you make it back to the group quickly. But unfortunately, the information you relate relate to them is, hey, I found all these really great spots. Um, everyone else comes in and starts looking at these different areas that you have noted, um, and each spot has um, three to four of the elements that Tyrek described. So you find, let's say you found um, four different spots. Um, you have one that has uh, decent restrictive passages and is uh, got some high ground. And it also has this, this is uh, so spot number one has restrictive passage, has overwatch or slash high ground um, and has the ability to make any exfiltration via uh, uh, more difficult for the, the enemy. Um, unfortunately, there's not really like a limited or specific visibility because there's not a lot of cover. Uh, the second area that you found has lots of high ground spaces. Um, it's got cover 
with uh, limited or specific visibility and it has the ability to make some of the exit points more difficult but realistically uh it's not restrictive on the passage right like the, it's pretty open for the most part you have some you have some elements that could could slow people down if they're trying to escape but it would be a little more difficult area number three um has restrictive passage uh with lots of cover um, but it's not, there's no s good spots for high ground um, if you were to try to get some archers in there. And area number four uh, has restrictive passage. Um, the difficult exfiltration would be sort of um, against you. Uh, it would be sort of a negative for you unless you were able to get the enemy to either come in the wrong direction or um, somehow swap their areas. But it is kind of a tight space in a like a cluster of trees i guess we could say there's some overwatch ability if smoky or someone were to get into some of the bigger trees uh, which means there's cover uh but the limited visibility is pretty much like there's there's none there's none right like it's it's against all of you um enemies plus you there's just so many so many trees it would be Pretty difficult to see anything that's going on. <laughs> I love this image. Oh my god. <laughs> that's going in the recap art. <laughs> Man, I wish you drew the map for Chicken Town. Is that person being hit both arrows so he's pissing? <laughs> <laughs> also early in the morning so he's pissing like three streams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not what I'd intended that to be. <laughs> Are we all setting this like in anticipation? Like, it's still a uh, trap? Yeah, our, our goal is to, to set an ambush location, even though we're going to be like, I'm going to be trying to call them to us so they'll be aware that we're setting an ambush, but a kind of spot where we can still control the battlefield to our advantage even with that so we already have knowledge of the uh, party we're trying to ambush in terms of numbers and size and all that not yet i hope we get like four of them all clustered together so i can twin cast chain lightning on their faces like an artificial aoe okay so i think from those li that list of locations let's go with area number one i was just I was thinking, thinking overwatch is more important than cover here yep but I think we're all in agreement on that one. So that gives us the most of the advantages that we can really play off of. Area number one is restrictive passage, overwatch, difficult exfiltration. I don't need to worry about cover. I have you guys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Leoman's tiny hut. Spells can't go through it, but everything else can. Can't see. If you set it to not clear, you can't see into it, but you can see out of it just fine. You can set Smokey inside of one. They won't be able to effectively hit him because they can't see what square inside of it he's in, even for their normal projectiles. Spells would fail. He'd be able to see through it just fine anyway. That sounds like a great idea. Just snipe them one by one. He won't even have to step out of it unless he's specifically putting a spell on an arrow. He can just stand in there and shoot out of it freely. Oh, wow. Because he can see out of it and it stops spells, but not uh, projectiles. Yeah, let's go with that. How much area does it cover? Leoman's tiny hut, a 10-foot radius immobile dome of force, springs into existence around and above you. 
and remains stationary for the duration, which is eight hours. The spell ends if you leave its... Oh, I would have... Mm, that's a problem. I would have to stay in it with you for it to work. That limits severely what we can do. So no, that won't work. Yeah, okay. Do we need to incorporate stealth into any of what we're preparing? Like stealth checks? I mean, we could take care of that next next game. We'll be setting up in the area there. I would love if we could figure out with the 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 restrictive passage part of it, if we could figure something that we could use to potentially actually block passageway behind them, make their ex- their exfiltration not just difficult, but potentially impossible. On that note, what is their their entry point? What does it look like? You said uh, area number one, right? Yes. Okay, so it's not quite a box canyon, but you do have... Um, it's an area in these hills where um, the hills on either side of this passage get really steep, um, but have areas where at the, be- at the beginning of where you would come in you can someone can scale the side of the hill and get up on either the right or the left hand side i guess we could call it the east or the west um sides of the hills right um to the point where the further into this passageway you go uh it's more or less straight up and down probably could be scaled by somebody proficient enough where you would probably seek to draw the enemy in at there is a large grouping of um, heavy rocks uh, that is based in soil that could be potentially shifted to close off and make their the exit a lot harder. You have um, trees rooted uh, rooted on the mountainside or the hillside, I guess, uh, on your end. So it's not likely that that could be used against you unless uh, a really powerful spell was used. Um, and it is very much a like once you enter this sort of hilly causeway, I guess. Um, it's that's like you know the only way out is through so not not quite box canyon not quite canyon at all but definitely like a very deep valley almost uh i guess it probably looks like it maybe used to be a horse trail right and and when i say horse trail i i mean that in the natural sense i think your nature checks would have revealed that i think we've got everything we need to get set up Unless anybody else can think of anything we should prep beforehand. I'll just need a bit of time to get the uh, the lure ready. I missed a lot of the setup, but I'm confident that we are good. Just the, for one last thing, so I can do my fun dramatic ending to the... Um, I would like uh, Mira, as you're the one who spoke at length, uh, or rather listened at length to the um, the babbling man. You... you s- had spoken with this man or or listened to him speak i keep saying that you listened to this man speak for a while and his babbling was pretty incoherent for the most part uh but as you're setting up for this ambush there's a part of what he said that starts to kind of sit uncomfortably with you and and this is when he had talked about the eyeless man right and at the time, it just sounded like maybe you sort of brushed it off, but you did remember everything he said. And now that you're ready, getting ready for this, um, it sort of comes back to you. And you remember him saying, The eyeless man strikes strong and fast. His sword cuts down any who stand before him. He will rise to all his challengers, and his will of force bends the knee of everyone who would meet him. 
His skin is cold and unyielding. His grip is strong and crushing. He rides in on his mechanical steed, and his eyes will devour you, only serving to strengthen his force. And he is a force to be reckoned with. I think maybe that sounds like our mark. <laughs> and we'll end right there. <laughs>